What's up? Hey girl, so much. Get your cups ready because we're about to pour. This is the Queen's Cup. Who do you, who do you, who do you, who do you know you are? I'm a boss with a little bit of sassy and a whole lot of classy. I'm confident. I'm beautiful. Who do you know you are? I'm Risa. And I'm Rika. And this is the Queen's Cup Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Queen's Cup Podcast. This is your girl Risa. And Erica. And we are back for another episode. We are so excited, guys, to come back this week. We have some really good information to share with you today, but we'll start with chatting with R&R. So, Erica, you want to tell us how have you been this past few weeks? Okay, so I've been good these past few weeks. Um, just continuing to learn about stocks, so that's um, something that I'm working on. I have started walking, guys. You know, <laughs> baby steps. <laughs> My eating habits still off, but uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm cutting back on the sugar some. So, listen, baby steps. But baby steps. I, I'm proud of myself. So, <laughs> I'm trying to get snatched like Reese around here. So, listen, <laughs> <laughs> that's what's been going on with me for these past two weeks. And yourself? Uh, yeah. So for those, I think I said before that I was teaching. So Pat, last week was my spring break for the school that I teach. It's in Chicago. So I got to relax, no teaching, no reading, just relaxing. Um, I have to grade papers for midterm. So I, I tried to get Erica to help me grade some papers and she's like, uh, uh-uh, I'm in school myself. <laughs> so listen, I'm going to have to grade some papers this week. So I'm not, uh, really enthused about that but um nonetheless i got a break last week and still moving forward i've been riding my bike guys so yes um oh i don't think i told you guys that last time i don't think oh right so i started riding a bike so uh about maybe two weeks ago it was right after we recorded i borrowed my brother's bike because my brother lost like 100 pounds so his bike was just sitting there so I rode a bike about, I don't know, 15 blocks and I almost died, y'all. I had to have my little brother ride behind me in my car so I didn't pass out or nothing. <laughs> Girl, I would have passed out. Oh, Listen. my God. I was proud of myself because I made it. I stopped sometimes, but I made it home safely. And I've been riding the bike a few times a week since then. So I'm excited about that because I have not rode a bike since, I don't know, middle school probably. So it was a little <laughs> rusty, but I've been riding the bike. So I'm excited about that. So that's what's been going on with me. All right. So, yes, sis was on that bike. I've seen the, the video and everything. I'm like, you you better ride that bike, girl. <laughs> Wobbly yes. and all at first, but I made it through, okay? Listen, I want to be more active. So I said, let me get on this bike. And so far, so good. You know, I try to ride the bike a few times a week. So, um, yeah, maybe one day Erica will get a bike and be riding mm-hmm. with me. <laughs> Listen, um, this was probably, probably, I think, in 2015. My parents and I were out of town. So the hotel we were staying at, they had bikes. And, of course, my dad <laughs> and I, we decide to go walk along the beach riding a bike. Of course, hello, it's sand. And it's mushy, so (laughs) it was like a whole nother level of traction. So going through that, and then he says, oh, um, you want to race? I'm like, you know, I'm here for it. So we decide to race, and 
um, we are reaching our almost the mark where we're supposed to stop to see who wins. And my dad was like, "Oh, you won, you won." So here I go. I'm I'm continuing to pedal like because I just need this. I need this win to be legit. <laughs> so I continue to pedal. And even go beyond that, the whole next day, I promise you, I could not move. <laughs> like, literally. Oh, my god! I had not ridden a bike in, like, 18 years. Yeah, telling my age a little bit. But <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, like, I literally had not ridden a bike since I was, like, uh, 11 years old. So, yeah. Mm, uh, yeah it is a good workout. Yes. <laughs> so. It will definitely have your legs burning because my legs were burning for two days after I rode that bike. But... Ooh. The more you do it, the better it gets. So right. um, I'm glad I did decide to start riding a bike, but definitely it's exercise, child. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. So anyways, we're going to roll right into our core conversation. And we wanted to really talk about this topic because it's been resonating with us and it's definitely prevalent since the pandemic. So Erica, did you want to tell them what we're going to talk about this week? Well, um, the topic for this the topic for this week is I'm staying in this abusive relationship because God is able. Mm-hmm. And I say that because um, a part of this conversation is a lot of times in the faith community or um, even if you're, mm, well, even if you're just a belief, someone who believes in God, sometimes we say, um, you know, I'm praying that this person will change and sometimes it's just our own our own willingness to just stay in that bad situation or our own wanting to stay in that um bad situation that we we put the premise of praying and having faith to stay in a situation that we should not be in um Mm -hmm. the other premise behind that is you know to just talk about domestic violence in general it's also terminal the new terminology, excuse me, for domestic violence is interpartner violence because you can be in an abusive relationship and you don't necessarily, you know, live in that same space with that person as well. Right. So we're going to start by talking about some signs of um, toxic relationships or red flags, basically. Some things that you should look at um, and pay attention to when you're in these type of relationships that are kind of like red flags before it gets really bad. So one of the red flags, or some of the red flags that we wanted to talk about, the first one is um, being controlling. A lot of times women or men don't necessarily notice that because they can look at it as, well, you know, they're looking out for me or, you know, I like that they take the initiative and they're trying to, you know, they may spin it to, well, you know, I know your best interests and I'm thinking about you. But the reality is, is that they are now taking your control. They are now telling you what to do, how to live, who to see, who to be friends with, what to eat, how to dress. Those type of things are red flags because the reality is, is that if someone you're dating them, they should, you guys should be partners. It's an equal partnership in a relationship. It should not be, well, this person is controlling every aspect of my life. And I'm just sitting back and I have no say so. The reality is, is that that is one of the biggest red flags that we see in domestic violence um, because they start out gradually and they Mm -hmm. start controlling little parts of your life until you wake up one day and you're like, oh my gosh, I can no longer do all of these things that I used to do because now they're controlling me. 
Right. I agree. And I think another part of that as well is um, even with controlling, um, if they get upset, if you if you do something new with your hair or it's just like, oh, why'd you do that? Like, they, it's more than just an opinion of, oh, I like it when you wear your hair like this, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's more of a mandate. So I think that's a part of that. Um, so the next thing I'll go on to is um, passive aggression mm-hmm. so um an example of of that i would say is for instance they expect you to be at their beck and call mm-hmm. and every time they call you you are supposed to answer right. regardless of you could be on your deathbed you need to pick up that phone right and i experienced that because the person they wanted me to always be able to answer the phone and it's just like if i did it Say they called me and I missed the call. I called them back 2.5 seconds later. Now, A, they're not answering, or B, I'm getting sick to voicemail because I should have been answering when they called me. Mm. That type of behavior is not only immature, but that's a form of passive aggression. Right. Right. Absolutely. And a lot of times people don't notice the passive aggressiveness, but definitely it is a red flag because... Um, that is also an underlying form of control. You're trying to manipulate the situation. And because I don't do what you tell me to do, or I don't answer fast enough, or I don't call you back fast enough. Now you're upset with me and you're treating me badly for something that was minimal. So that's definitely another red flag. Another one is, is isolating you from your friends and family. That is one of the bigger red flags Mm -hmm. too, because they slowly but surely do that. They'll tell you, oh, you know, she's not your friend. She was never your friend. Mm-hmm. And they are now all in your family business trying to isolate you from your family members and putting things in your mind so that you don't call your family members. You don't hang out with them. You don't go to the family functions. Now you can't go out with your friends. Now you've completely isolated. Now he's complete. he or she has completely isolated you from your support system. And the main reason is so that they can do whatever they want to you without the, without your family or friends trying to get you out of that situation. They don't want your family or friends to tell you that, oh, girl, you deserve better or, oh, no, you shouldn't be in that relationship. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to control every aspect of your life. And if they know that your friends and family are involved, they will try to disconnect you from them immediately because they don't want your friends and family telling you the truth or opening your eyes to the realistic side that this person is not good for you. And so they isolate you and then you feel alone. So now you have nobody to turn to or talk to because they have isolated you from your support to where now they can treat and do whatever they want to you. And so that is a really big flag. Mm -hmm. If you are dating someone and they are disconnecting you from your friends and family with no uh, real reason why, and they are painting your family and friends to be these horrible people to where all you need is him or her, that is a huge red flag. Definitely a big red flag. I agree. I definitely agree. Um, The next thing is someone who is overly serious. And by overly serious, I mean um, not just um, in regard to humor, but sometimes, like, they barely laugh. They just, they're always on 10. They're always at a heightened level of, um, they're uptight. They they don't want to do things that, um, that make you happy or um, something that's 
uh, spontaneous or um, they want everything to be, there's no, everything is set in a, 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 a order. Um, we're going to go here in this time and there's no deviation from what they put in their mind is acceptable or what they have planned for that day. So um, basically that's another, um, that's under the premise of control as well. But some mm-hmm. people like, I remember I just joked around with somebody. I was like, oh, um, do you, something about coloring or something like that. I'm a grown man. I don't color. I'm just like, people uh, were just too much. Like, right. I like to laugh. I like to have fun. And like the Bible say, there's a time and place for everything. But, bruh, like, if you walking around like you on this high horse, like, mm-mm, like, too right. much. <laughs> right. And it is a red flag, but it doesn't mean that that is you see that and you're like, oh, nope, they're going to be abusive. Right. But these are just red flags to look at. Right. And so the last one is, is that they try to talk you out of your dreams, right? Some of the things you want to do, they try to talk you out of making your own path, having your own way, um, having your own voice. They diminish everything you say and do. They make it seem like what you say and do um, is very little and that what they say and do is more important. Their dreams are more important than yours. What they do is more important than what you do. And they try to talk you out of, oh, well, don't go to school for that. Do this. Or don't do that. Just stay home and I'll take care of you. And you have all these dreams and goals. And now they're talking you out of doing that with, you know, offering you the sun, the moon, and the stars. But underlying that is they don't want you to do your dreams and goals because they want to be able to control you all aspects of your life. And so if you notice that someone's diminishing or trying to tell you not to do your dreams and goals and what you want to do, that is a red flag for you to look out for. And so, um, like we said, these are just red flags, right? Does not mean that if you notice one thing on the list, nope, (laughs) you are going to, you know, you're going to be domestic. You're going to be domestically abusing me and I'm done. It's just things for you to look out for. These are just things that we've noticed along the way. And also we've, you know, stories we've heard or instances we've seen. Just be careful when you're noticing these. Now, if you're with someone and you go check, 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 check on everything we said, then you need to truly reevaluate the relationship that you're in because there are a lot of red flags that you need to look out for and be careful of. So those are the red flags that we wanted to share with you all. So we wanted to talk about the statistics of domestic violence and intimate partner violence. So Erica, um, what are some of the statistics to share with everybody? Okay, so the data that I'm going to read are national statistics according to ncadv.org. So the first one is, on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. One in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence, intimate partner contact sexual violence, and or intimate partner stalking with impacts such as injury, fearfulness, post-traumatic stress disorder, use of victim services, contraction of sexually transmitted diseases. Um, it also goes on to say one in seven women and in and one in 25 men have been injured by an intimate partner. Um, there's more um, more statistics, but we'll kind of uh, go over those in, in the course of our conversation. But um, 
those are the statistics that's available at this current time according to this website yeah so definitely domestic violence happens way more often than we think or than we even know right and even more so because not a lot of men report it Mm -hmm. so there are probably a lot more men that experience it but they don't report it and then also women not every woman reports the domestic violence that they're going through they you know suffer in silence so imagine that those are a lot of statistics but there are even more people that don't say anything Mm -hmm. so we wanted to just shed light on the statistics of people who are going through domestic violence so we want to also talk about being christian women in the christian community how um we believe that god is able to do everything and that is true god can do everything and god can perform miracles and god can change people But on the other side of that, we have to realize that when there are signs and when we are going through things, we have to be aware of that as well. And so um, we want to look at some of the things when you're in a toxic relationship, some of the things that you should notice and be aware of. And especially if you're hearing God's voice to tell you to leave, then there's only so much faith you can have in a person Mm -hmm. before you have to say, you know what? My faith can't carry this person to change. At some point, that person has to want to change and that person has to want to do better for themselves. So what do you think about that, Erica? I agree because um, oftentimes uh, God may ask you or tell you to um, not to be in a certain situation. Um, in in those type of situations or otherwise where um relationships relationships friendships whatever but i believe that a lot of times you know women believe that you know my my faith will get you want that relationship so bad you believe that like you say your faith will carry you or but you that's on your side but that person has to want to change with anything as Mm -hmm. with anything they have to want to change they have to see that it's a problem and someone um someone taking advantage of your love or your kindness or they may not even share your walk or that truth because the man who truly loves god is not going to be putting his hands on you a man that truly loves god knows that say love your wife as christ loves the church so if they truly love god then why are they putting their hands on you why are they talking to you and um treating you any kind of way but a lot of times um christian women even it's a movie but if you think about why did i get married she said i'm going up this hill to save my family i'm going Mm -hmm. or i'm going up this mountain to save my marriage and she 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 went through that um physical abuse lost kids because of it it's so many things that happen because that result of you know allowing allowing yourself to stay in a domestic situation and sometimes you don't see the light of day sometimes it ends in death right and before we go forward i just want to talk about some of the different forms of domestic abuse because we all know about physical there's physical abuse but there's also verbal abuse Mm -hmm. where they are verbally abusing you there is emotional abuse um emotional or mental abuse where they're manipulating you where they are causing you mental anguish um there is also sexual abuse Mm -hmm. in domestic partnerships so there is uh, different forms of abuse. When, so when we're saying a domestic abuse, we're talking about all of those forms, physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually. 
we're talking about all forms of that type of abuse, just so everybody knows that we're not just talking about physical abuse. Right. Because a lot of women only see the physical abuse and or men, they only see the physical abuse and they're like, well, when it gets that bad, I'll leave. And the reality is, is that abuse comes in many forms. And so, like we said, there is, there is nothing wrong with having faith and believing God to change that person. But there's another thing when they are not doing anything to change that behavior. They see nothing wrong with what they're doing to you. That is a problem because God is hearing you, but also God can only do so much. We have to do our part. Faith without works is dead. So you can have all the faith in the world, but if there are no works behind that, nothing's going to change. And you're going to be stuck in that situation, begging and pleading God for some change for change but your spouse or your partner has no desire to change and they see nothing wrong with that type of behavior, that is a problem. Mm -hmm. And that is where your faith has, you have to use your faith, but you also have to use wisdom that God gives Mm. us to be able to exit that situation. If you realize that it's just not working and it's not causing you, it's causing you pain and anguish, then it's time for you to reevaluate how, what prayer you're saying to God, right? You might need to shift that prayer to say, God, give me an exit strategy Mm. or God, show me what I need to do next in regards to this situation instead of, you know, solely focusing on changing that partner. Oh, that was, that was, that was, that was powerful. I agree (laughs) because um, with that faith, we need wisdom to, to know, you know, what's, what's my, what do you want what do you really want me to do god because um god also says that he will not put more on us than we can bear right so um yeah i think it's important to really you know make sure that you're that you're hearing from god and not feeling that even in the christian community is that you know divorces like this stamp but at the same token if somebody is not if they're not honoring you if they're they're habitually cheating on you if they're manipulative they don't want you to hang out with friends or family they don't want you to um, pursue your dreams and goals everything is about them their dreams goals and aspirations and you having their full support I'm sorry you you're being completely supportive of them but they um, they don't return the, the, the same grace or mm-hmm. or favor towards you so I think that's important to um to consider. Right. I definitely agree. And the other part of that is that if you're at a place where God is telling you to leave, then you need to heed what he's telling you. We never know what God is shielding us from by being obedient. And so if you are hearing God tell you to leave, then you need to leave and swiftly. Because the reality is, is that we hear so many stories of domestic violence where the, the man you know, murders the family and then himself murder suicides mm-hmm. or the man uh, murders the woman and right. the kids. And so there are so many cases that we hear of that. And so if you are hearing and knowing that you should leave, then this is where you have to step out on faith and really take that next step to leave because sometimes your life can be in danger and your life is at stake and you have to make that decision. It's either life or death sometimes. And sometimes it is that serious for Mm -hmm. you to leave. So just being aware and and attentive to what God is speaking to you, but also how you already feel. Because sometimes you you may know, and you out of fear, you may not step out and you may not exit that situation. And so we know that every circumstance is not the same. Sometimes it's just not as simple as leaving. We know when kids are involved and things like that, finances, 
there may be different uh, avenues that you have to take, but sometimes your life is in jeopardy and you need to make that, you need to make that decision as to what you want to do in order to make sure that you are in, you're safe sometimes in that predicament. I agree. So um, the, the question that I have is the one that I'm going to pose to um, Al Teresa because of course she's a licensed clinical social worker. So <laughs> she can best explain um, this question. So what does the separation look like um, for someone who believes that this is ultimately the person that they want to be with? Um, for someone who is um, quote unquote doing the work? What would that look like? So I would say is that if you're in this situation where you're experiencing any type of domestic abuse and your partner is doing the quote unquote work, one, what does that work look like, right? If <clears throat> if they're saying, yes, I'm changing, what are they doing actively to change? Are they seeking counseling? Are they going to therapy? Are they reaching out for spiritual counseling? What are they doing to actually change those behaviors is what you need to look at because anybody can say, oh, I'm changing and they're not doing anything. So that's one. The second thing is if you're in the household with this person, and this is my advice, that you should separate entirely from that person, meaning you should not be still living with them while they're going through this um, change or doing the work, in my opinion. Why? Because the thing is, is that you need to be able to see consistent, consistent changed behavior. The only way for you to fully see the consistently, uh, consistent changed behavior is that you have not, you are not in the household with them and you can still be in the household to see changed behavior, but you don't want to run that risk. What if they're still abusive and they haven't got to the finish role of, or the finish line of their recovery and healing. So while they're going through recovery and healing and they're having relapses where they're abusing you you have to still endure that through that process recovery for someone what if it's six months what if it's a year right and so if you're going through that process with them and you're in the household with them you may be still dealing with the domestic violence mm -hmm. until they get to that recovery stage so i would say is to fully separate yourself and that doesn't mean that you get a divorce if you're married but that means that we are separated. I'm in my household, you're in your household, whatever that looks like, until you get into a place where I know that I'm safe, I know that I know that you fully changed, that you found healing, that you um, got into a place where you recovered from doing those type of behaviors and really probably dealing with your own trauma. Because a lot of times people who are um, the aggressors, so to speak, they have a lot of trauma and healing that they really need to work on and do. And so it's hard for you to deal with your own trauma and healing. And then you're trying to be in a relationship, trying to cultivate that relationship. That is where you need to really focus on yourself. If you are um, dealing with being the aggressor in a domestic violence relationship, and even as the victim, you also need to seek your own healing and your own recovery because you need to go through recovery of being in a domestic violence relationship. So both parties really need to seek healing and recovery. And it's hard to do that when you're together. Um, just because 
we all have um, behaviors that sometimes it takes us a while to recover from. So just to be safe, especially if you're dealing with physical abuse, you don't want to be in close proximity of someone who is still dealing with that. Because what if one day, they're, one week they're doing good and the next week they had a bad week. And now you're in that situation where you're in the household and you're not safe. I completely agree. I completely agree. That's awesome advice. Um, another point we would like to make is that financially, um, persons who are in a, um, a domestic violence situation, um, where they, um, are cohabitating or they, they live together, um, is that financially you may have to start from the bottom. Mm -hmm. You may have to, um, you know, unfortunately you may have to be the person to, depending on the living arrangement you might have to be the person to to leave that home or you know start over especially those who have children right you know um even when we we may put our faith into something or we may believe in something or want it so bad but the reality is is that if your children are seeing um you be abused if they're seeing you, their mother or father hit if they're seeing mm -hmm. their mother or father um talk down on and things of that sort what are we modeling for our children or what are we allowing our kids to to take in their psyche that this is something that may be generational right when it doesn't have to be and there's a lot of times where as risa said that sometimes it, it does become a murder suicide situation so beyond that faith or that wanting to be with that person you have to put in you have to use wisdom and also have to understand that your children is the is the highest of priority right so you can't say well you know i love this man blah 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 you know he'll never he's never touched my kids or he's never done this but you don't know what he what he will do because i truly believe you've been in that relationship at the start you didn't believe that he would do that to you but he has right whether it's physical verbal may have you um how can you guarantee that he's not going to do that to your children Exactly. And the other thing is, is that... Or she, sorry. Yes, he or <laughs> he, she. He or she. The other thing is, is that when you have children involved, we know that it, it makes the situation a little bit more difficult to navigate, especially um, if you are dependent on that person financially, meaning that they are the breadwinner, they pay the bills, they take care of the family. It makes it harder for you to figure out, well, what am I going to do as a single parent? How am I going to provide for the kids if I leave? And the thing is, is like Erica said, is sometimes you have to hit rock bottom and um, sometimes you have to figure it out. And it's not sometimes that simple, but this is where you, you know, you might have to go to resources that you may not want to, or this is where you might need to reconnect with family and friends that you mm -hmm. shut out for, the, for, that amount of for that amount of time while you were with that person. There are avenues that you have to go down that you may have not. And this is where you have to put pride aside for your safety to really exit and get out of that situation. Right. And so sometimes, like we, we keep saying, but it's so prevalent, is that sometimes it's life or death. And that means that I might have to go to a shelter. Or that means I might have to go sleep on couches. Or that might mean I have to talk to a family member that I haven't spoke to in 12, 10 years. Mm -hmm. That may mean you have to exhaust every aspect or every benefit you have so that you can exit and get out of that situation just for safety, especially if kids are involved. Because this is where trauma builds, right? If you are exhibiting or if they are exhibiting that behavior and your children see it, it's causing traumatic events for your children. 
And then that ripple effects in their life. A lot of times domestic violence and the domestic abuse is generational. Mm -hmm. That person saw it in their family. That person saw it in their family. So they repeated it. And then the kids repeat it. It's a cycle sometimes. So in order to make sure that you are not repeating that cycle or your children are not exposed to that to repeat the cycle, sometimes you have to get out of that situation. And sometimes that means you have to do things that you really may not want to. But in order for you to rebuild your life, to be safe and in a healthy environment, especially for you and your kids, you might have to start from the bottom. I completely agree. I completely agree. Sometimes you have to, you have to start over. And I think it's important too, is that, you know, like Risa said, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to people that you haven't spoken to in a long time, because you may very well need that support. And I believe that, you know, someone who has been through that that type of situation needs a, a support system, right? Even if it's just a, an accountability partner to just make sure that you know I am not going back into this situation, um, ever. And whatever uh, other premise that it may be under, you know, without weighing all my options and what's the best um what's the best option for you and especially for your family. Um, but yes, having a village and having that support system, I think is very important. And it may be somebody, a social worker or somebody you don't even know, right? you know, or going to a meeting where other women who have women or men, let me be clear, mm-hmm. women or men who have experienced or are experiencing what you have, you know, right. because a lot of people, they get out of that situation, but they get right back into it because those people are master manipulators. Yep. They make you think that you need them. They make you think that um, they're going to change. So I think even in even in that process of if that person is quote unquote doing the work, like listen to that intuition, listen to that inner spirit that is telling you yes, no, whatever, because you definitely don't want to. It's just like oh well, you know, it's it's been a month, you know, right. you cutting that time short because right. <laughs> they're you know promising you the world and. In the end of the day, they don't even don't make um they don't make good on it. Exactly, and so just making sure there's a saying um or a quote um that a woman would lead a woman goes back and forth in a domestic violence relationship seven times before she officially finally leaves, mm. and it's very sad to say, but a lot of times I used to I used to work in a homeless shelter. And I would see women in domestic violence situations that they would have to flee and they were in the homeless shelter. And a lot of those women went back and forth so many times before they really finally said enough is enough. And it's very sad to see, but sometimes it happens that way. Um, And what I would say is, is that you just never know if that might be your final time going back, right? You Mm -hmm. may not never, you may not know what that person may do to you when you go back. And a lot of times it, it's it's not a scare tactic that we're saying that. It's just that we see it even more often now where um, the man or the woman is in a situation and it's detrimental and sometimes it's life or death. So just yeah. wanted to reiterate that, that sometimes women or men, they go back and forth, back and forth. But um, you have to just think about your life in those situations because you just never know the mindset that somebody has. Like somebody may be on the la- on the edge and they are not thinking clearly and you just never know what might happen. So um, I say all that to say, I just wanted to say that quote for, because that was something I learned when I worked at the homeless shelter. 
So the other part of that is when people have kids, right? Um, and they, let's say they separated from that abusive partner. How do they navigate through co-parenting now with the child or with the children? Um, you know, me and Erica th- talked about that because that is, that is a, those are real situations, you know, men or women in those situations will use the kids as pawns to manipulate that person to come back. Mm-hmm. Right. They'll say, Oh, well you're struggling without me or, you know, I want to see my kids and that's how they reel you back in to get back into that situation by using the kids as pawns. And so, um, some of the things that I think in regards to that, just to protect yourself is, um, offering supervised visits, right? So if you have to go back to, and the kids, you know, obviously want to see their parent or if you feel like it's safe for the kids to see that parent, try supervised visits. Um, you can try them essentially with a family member or a friend so that you don't necessarily have to be alone with that person or even around them. You have someone you trust to do the visits. Um, or, if you need to get the court system involved, the courts can do it too for a supervised visits where they have um, a, like a mediator person who will do supervised visits between that parent and the kids so that you are not involved at all. Or if you are in extreme circumstances where you need to get a restraining order, those things are also available. If you're in uh, physical abuse to where you now need a restraining order to have in place, um, if you feel unsafe, then you can always go through the court system so that at least the court system, um, can mediate between. Now I have heard stories where the court system, um, is not always on the woman's side. And I'm talking about in cases where it's women, women who are being abused. I have heard stories like that. But what I would say is, is that this is where you have to connect back with your support system so that you have someone else, family or friends guiding and going with you through this process because it definitely is not easy. And this is for people who have children, right? This is not everybody's case, but we wanted to make sure that we talked about that as well. When um, their kids involved in the, and your partner tries to use the kids as pawns to manipulate you to come mm-hmm. back. I agree. I also want to say in regards to um, the faith-based community is um, don't allow a man or a woman um, in the Bible, you know, uh, it says, well, both sides, but <laughs> it's most commonly talked about, you know, why submit yourselves to your husband. Mm-hmm. And we cannot allow ourselves to be um, to be abused under the premise of submission. Right. Um, God didn't tell you he going to run your com- your entire life. Right. God didn't tell you that your dreams and aspirations should never come into fruition because he's the head of your household, that's not the plan and purpose for your life. Right. Period. You were put here for a purpose just as he was. Right. So don't allow yourself to be like, well, you know, you know, you need to do this and you need to do that. I'm the head of this household. Like, no, it does not work like that. Right. Um, can't be uh, a bishop, an apostle, this and that. And it's just like, you encouraging all the women in the church, but you never speak life into your your wife mm. or that person. You 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 telling all the men the men on how to find a godly woman, and you going home and, and telling your husband that he's nothing. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's real out here. Like it's so many people that are getting abused, 
and this this is supposed to be someone who is supposed to be someone a kingdom person but you're not using kingdom principles as in relation to that other person and god is going to hold people who are doing that accountable right at the end of the day at the end of the day we all have uh we have we all have history, but at the end of the day, you are accountable for what you say and what you do, mm. especially under the premise of a marriage. So, someone who um is a man of God or a woman of God should not be modeling that type of behavior. But don't let nobody abuse you because that's their form of you being submissive to them. No, right. And I want to say too, right, because we are talking to believers but if you are not a believer and you're listening you should not be in a in an abusive relationship either right um no way shape or form right but as a believer we are held to the standard of god's word and so um as believers we should be um we're held to god's word and god's promises to us and so for those who are believers and those for for those who are non-believers you should not be in any form of a mm-hmm. um, abusive relationship, verbal, mental, physical, sexual, at all. It's not right. And um, just wanted to say that for those who are listening who may feel like, well, I, I'm not a believer, so what about me? It's like we're talking to everybody, but especially for those who are believers, we're definitely held to God's word. And God has expectations of us. And so we can't be preaching and talking and, and telling everybody else good things. And we're treating the people in our household wrong, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're, you know, telling women and men all these things in the, in the church on your congregation or virtually or however you're spreading it. But then you go home and you abuse your spouse or your partner. So we wanted, I just wanted to make sure to say that as well. Right. And right. so underlying all of that is talking about understanding your worth um and understanding your value because a lot of times women or men in these situations don't necessarily their self-esteem has been crushed Hmm. to the ground by their partner they have belittled them they have diminished them they have told them they are worthless they are nothing they're not pretty they're not attractive they're not handsome they have crushed their self-esteem. And so a lot of times, a lot of women and men in those situations struggle with self-worth and their value. And we just wanted to shed light to know, so that you know that you are loved and that you are special and that you are amazing. And let's say you're not necessarily in a physical abusive relationship, but mental and verbal abuse is just is just as equally wrong. And so if someone is verbally abusing you to make you feel like you are nothing or you are worthless, it is absolutely wrong and you matter. And so knowing that you matter and knowing that you are loved, you may not feel loved, you may be in that relationship or you may know people in that relationship if it's not you. And you may know family or friends or people you may know who may be in that situation this is where you can also reach out to them and tell them that you are loved and I'm here to support you. Yes. You just don't know how saying that to someone can save their life. To know that someone cares about them, to know that someone's there for them, to know that if you need me, I'm there. Um, and I feel so passionate about that is because I've never been in a domestic violence relationship, but I've had friends and family that have been. And for me, I have been a rock to some of them to where they literally were able to call me and I was able to get up and go over there. Or I was able to to support them when nobody else supported them. When someone told them, oh, you're stupid, you're this, you're that. Why are you in that relationship? You just need to leave. 
and I was a support for them or a sounding board and just loved on them until they got ready to get out of that situation. And so if you, if it's not you be that support for somebody Mm -hmm. else and not passing so much judgment on them, but showing them love and kindness because your love and kindness will go long, a long way as opposed to you judging them. I completely agree. I feel like you brought it full circle because that's something that I want to speak on as well. It's Im- it's important, and, and I'm not saying, you know, to force yourself or your beliefs or whatever on that individual, but even if they cut you off, they isolate themselves from you, or even if that's not a friendship or relationship thing, that can go forward um, because of what they've decided to do or not speak to you anymore. I think it's important that, you know, still pray for that person, still um, go to God on their behalf, uh, and um, because you don't know, your prayers can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Like people say, prayer changes things. Prayer changes people. Right. So I think it's important to just, you know, to still, and if that person is still in your life, you know, to love on that person because they don't feel loved. They can't. It's no way that you can allow another person to treat you that type of way and you feel that you that you are loved and you completely know your worth. Right. So I think it's important to pour into that person because they are empty in places that you can feel them, yep. you know, just from what you present alone. So, you know, um, a lot of people may feel in a dark place. They may, they may have seen, you know, their mother or father abuse and they may think, you know, even for the person who's doing that type of thing, I think it's important too. If you have a home girl or a homeboy and like, you need to let that, that person know if you're seeing them do these type of mm-hmm. things and you out and y'all out and he, him and his girlfriend up and you just saying that's not your business. You are held, you are held accountable. Mm-hmm. That is not some person that you have to, um, that I don't know that I would, I cannot, I can't even be with a, a friend with somebody like that. Right. Like you're, you're emotionally and physically abusing your spouse, whether it be a male or a female, I cannot, I cannot sit idly by and allow that person to be in my space and consider you a, a friend, a brother or a sister to allow that type of behavior. You have to have, you have to make them accountable. And if they're yep. not trying to hear what you got to say or open up their minds to understand that this behavior is wrong, I say end it. Yes, you can yep. still love them for a distance. And of course you can still pray for them, but mm-mm. That's that's not right. acceptable because a lot of people just they just turn their head and it's like, yep. oh, that's you know, that's not my business. Mm-hmm. Or if they're if they if they're rich or they have money, oh well, you know, as long as I can still go out and eat with them and do this and yep. that, blah, 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 you know, it really don't matter to me. But it matters. It does. It does. And I'm glad that um you said that in, in regards to the to the aggressor who's doing it and, and because a lot of people, oh, that's not my business, they turn their head. And I'm not that type of person. People who know me, I always have something to say. And I'm pretty sure sometimes my friends and family is like, Oh, well, she just my business. Nope, I can't. So <laughs> I always have something to say when I see something being done wrong. I always fight for what's right or I try to. I'm not perfect, but if I see somebody being mistreated or abused or something's going wrong, I always try to say something because I always feel like it can just be that one person who can change a situation. And if I just plant the seed and tell you that's wrong what you're doing, 
that you know that's all I can do whether you hear me or not at least I planted the seed and I, I agree I'm not I'm we, we can't be cool we can't be cool with me knowing you're doing that type of stuff to somebody who you supposedly love I'm just not down with that and you're gonna know that and then you know I love you from a distance but I can't allow that knowingly that this is what you're doing and I'm just okay with that right that don't fly with me so I definitely agree with that as well and so saying all of those things I want to give some resources um, for those who may be in those type of domestic violence situations. So we are in the state of Florida. So for those who don't know, but I'm going to give the, the 1-800-24 hour crisis line. This is a domestic violence hotline, 24 hours a day for those who may be in those situations and need help and don't know who to turn to or talk to this number. They can connect you with your local resources in your area. If you're not in Florida. So the number is one 800 five zero zero one 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 nine again one eight hundred five zero zero one 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 nine and so if you're not in that situation but you know somebody who is please share the resources with them that is a 24-hour crisis hotline for domestic violence all over the country so if you know anybody who's going through any type of situation with domestic violence please share that number with them and tell them that they can call that number if they don't feel comfortable telling you or anybody they know. They can call that number and get help. Now, if you're in Miami, I'm going to give the Miami hotline for those who may be in South Florida. This is the uh, Miami-Dade County Victim Assistance Center, and it's 305-285-5900. You can call or text that number 24-7. If you are in another area... You can also, like I said, call the 1-800 hotline and they'll give you um, resources in your local area, like shelters. They have 24-hour shelters that you can go to and different resources that may be available. So please call that not, that line if you need any assistance or share it with those who you may who may need the assistance. Right. And um, also, thank you for that, first of all. I also want to say if you are an aggressor or if you are someone that is modeling some of the things that we've listed as red flags, um, one or all of them, um, it may just be a point for something that you may want to work on, something that you notice. Um, if you're hot-headed or you get angered by the the least little thing, um, to to seek mental health as well. Um, yeah. Sorry, mental health help as well. Um, resources whether it be a counselor whether it be a pastor um to seek help to um if you are desiring to have that change that there are resources um for you as well to to change and no one is above um change i don't believe in once an abuser always an abuser if you desire to change i believe that um that you can you know absolutely Um, And I'm glad you did mention that because, you know, of course we want to give the resources to those who are being victims, but also if you're willing to change as an aggressor, I agree with everything Erica said, there is help. Just reach out for it um, because you don't have to stay that way forever, especially when you know better, you need to do better. And so hopefully you, you know, you gathered information, whether you're an aggressor or whether you're a victim, we hope that something we share today in regards to domestic violence was able to touch you and was able to, um, you were able to use. And hopefully if you're in those situations that you reach out for the help and remember to support the loved ones that you know that are in those situations and also just support on them and help them. 
And then when they're ready, they'll reach out to you for the help. But just be there with open arms when they are ready, without judgment, but just as just with support. And so we wanted to also give a resource for those aggressors who may feel like, well, what about me? Um, so Erica has a resource she wants to share with those who may be dealing with those abusive tendencies and behaviors and want the help to change. Yes. So, um, the website is thehotline.org. So that's T-H-E-H-O-T-L-I-N-E.org. That's T-H-E-H-O-T-L-I-N-E.org. Um, they have resources, um, the website states that there are advocates available 24-7. Um, they, they have a number as well that you can call. It's 1-800-799-7233. 1-800-799-7233. And um, I wish everyone on whatever level it is, whether it be the abused or the aggressor, um, I wish you the best on your journey to healing. Absolutely, absolutely. And so... Um, hopefully you guys get something from what we talked about. And so we're going to roll on over to our rant. We have not done a rant in a while. <laughs> so we're going to loosen it up a little well, bit. We got a lot to say about this topic, guys. Yes. So, um, <laughs> we can be on here on and on and on, but we're going to start out with what happened with Meghan Markle. For those who don't know, Meghan Markle and her husband, Prince Harry, did an interview with, um, Oprah and, Megan talked about a lot of the racial inequalities and just um, disgusting comments that were allegedly made about her and her child at the time, her unborn child at that. And so for those who don't know, Megan Markle identifies as black. She's black and white, but she identifies as a black woman. And um, last year, her and her Prince Harry decided to, um, I don't know the term, but leave the royal court. And so I know for myself, I always wonder, like, why would they leave the royal court? But now we know um, from the interview some of the things that were going on behind the scenes that we didn't know. And as a black woman, listening to that interview infuriated me because I, I couldn't understand why they would not only talk about her, but her unborn child at that, talking about what color will he be, how dark will he be, and not to give him his prince title, um, his title, and not give him security and things like that. Like, you know, as someone who's a royal, they need security for their life. Right. So to do something like that, allegedly, is just ridiculous. And for people who are saying, well, and I've seen the, the blogs and social media, oh, she's doing it for attention. What, what attention does she need to do that for? Right. They have money. What, what does she need to do that for? <laughs> if she wanted... A, a title or a crown she could have stayed and withstood all the negativity that was thrown at her she could have stayed there but and i salute prince harry because he a hundred percent is supporting his wife and i salute him for doing yes. that because i'm pretty sure it took a lot for him to stand against his family and stand with his wife against the cruelty and the nasty comments and dis the disgusting behavior that was shown to her by it seems like everybody in the family, to be honest. And so um, I wanted to rant about that because it, it just made me upset. One, to see a black woman who was able to be in the royal court because she the love that her and Prince Harry had and, and Prince Harry not to see color, but also to be so disgusting to do that to her child, to her child. 
it's just it's just disgusting and um you know i really don't follow the royals i'm not into all of that but i did watch their wedding because for 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 a black woman to be married into a royal family is something that was never heard of so i did i do follow i followed their wedding and you know when she got pregnant and she had a miscarriage and now she's pregnant again just to know that type of stress on a woman who was pregnant is just, it's not needed. You never know what could happen. And to know that she was going through all of this behind the scenes and then to hear that Kate Middleton made her cry about her wedding. And it's, it just made me seem like the whole family sat by and just was so nasty and disgusting to her just because the color of her skin. It just, for people who live in America like us, we think it's just here. And that was just an eye opener that, I know it's everywhere, but it was kind of like a, a eye opener at the time. Like, oh, I forgot. Racism is everywhere in this world. It's not just America. So to mm. see it over there and 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 understand that that's what she went through, it was just disheartening to hear and see. Right. And I think a big part of that is, is that across this diaspora is that they love black culture, but they don't love black people. They love mm. our food. They love our mm, colloquialisms. Mm, mm. They love our style. They love everything about us, but yep. our skin color. Yep. Um, they love to appropriate our hairstyles. It's so like yep. you love black culture. You don't love black people. Yep. That's why you'll invite people there to to sing or do this and that or um, to sit with the queen and X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, you still don't see our worth. And that reminds me of watching One Eye in Miami, where that man was like, you know, I believe that you can do all these great things as far as football is concerned. But in that same mm -hmm. encounter, yep. you call him the N-word. And said, you can't come in my house. I can, you cannot set foot in my house, but I believe in you and all these, right. these, you can accomplish all these great things. But at the end of the day, that's all they see you. They all. That's all they see you as. Yep. And it's it's amazing to me. I was I, and I guess because if you, for anyone who viewed that wedding, it was one of the most beautiful things beautiful. that I've ever seen. To the black choir, to the the black per, the black um I don't remember if it was a, I think it was a male I can't remember the person who uh, played the harp like it was just beautiful, gorgeous. So it just made me think that we have reached this peak. Yeah. Even um, as far as being a part of, you know, a, that a royal family in England. Yeah. Like I just, it just made me feel like we had, we had reached this peak or this hierarchy. I'm not saying that we need that from them, but to see it, I wept. But to see this, it just makes me think like it was all a lie. It you was know a what show. I mean? Right. What part of it was real? What part of it was true? Was it just them showing their love, their love? story from that perspective or was it just those people really pouring into them and believing in this relationship but clearly if you have someone who is your blood relative they don't deserve a title they don't deserve security it's crazy to me crazy it's crazy to me like really like where does the inheritance lie when does it right. stop like you just made all of these these um amendments right to what is the policy of having a royal family? And I guess being black wasn't a part of it because mm. we always have an, um, there is a, an amendment to the constitution. There's amendment, this and that when right. it comes to black and brown people. Exactly. And I just think that's blatantly disgusting. Yeah. But I mean, 
I can say a lot on it, but I I was I was shocked and I was baffled at the whole entire thing. And then I saw something else as well was they they had articles and they would show Kate Middleton in a certain dress and they'll say, oh, this is fashion, this is blah, 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 this and that. And Meghan Markle having something similar. And then there's those disparaging or disgusting comments from the same newspaper or right. uh, news editorial or whatever. Right. It was just, I was just like, these are the double standards that black and brown people have to face all the time all the time and it's just very sad to say to see and i'm glad that she spoke out i'm glad that she finally had the platform and the strength to -hmm. speak out because technically she's speaking out against a monarchy and Mm -hmm. we all know that um you know, we see these movies. We the see powers the crown, that be. We see the crown, and we see all these movies <laughs> the now. Powers that you just be. never know what 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 they can do. What the backlash will be on her. So I'm glad that she spoke out, and I'm glad that her husband was right there to support her um, through all of this. And he took her side and didn't necessarily follow suit behind his racist family. Um, and so Prince William did make a, a, a statement and say like, oh, our family isn't racist as he was like walking somewhere with his wife, Kate Middleton. But the reality is, is that I believe her story. And I know a lot of people are questioning the authenticity of her story. Well, not, I won't say a lot of people, some people are, um, but I truly believe her. I don't see any reason why she has to lie and why would she get on a platform to make up lies and things like that against her in-laws. I don't see any benefit or gain she would get from that, um, especially since she disassociated herself from the monarchy. So I believe her. It's sad to see. It's just another example of how black people are treated in this, mm-hmm. in this world. And it's just disgusting to see. And so I hope that, um, you know, well wishes to her and her, her, her new baby and their family. And hopefully, um, you know, something positive comes out of this, I hope, but I'm glad that she had the voice and the strength to speak out against it. So that's my rant. I completely agree. And one little, one little thing that I (laughs) I have a a rant about is people who believe that a woman who is leaving nothing to the imagination and a man who does not support that type of behavior is trying to control that person. Or they're being, they're um being patriarchal. I do not believe that at all. To me, I believe like for a spouse or a boyfriend, like like not that you're that person's property, but that that um you being in that relationship with that person is that they're protective of you. Why should, especially in the premise of a relationship, I mean a marriage should everybody be able to see what you working with why should Mm -hmm. they be able to see your areolas or your vagina Mm. that's not art that's not being able to express yourself and i feel that a lot of people who do that is because they're seeking seeking attention Mm. if you just saying well this is how i like to dress if you sis if i you got on a a see-through dress and i could see every single part of your body then you're just like being naked and you can do that at home you don't need for everybody. <laughs> if you like to see yourself look that type of way, like for me, like it's only stuff that's that's there for for my husband or or in the past my man at the time. 
when I was living a different type of life sometimes. But <laughs> like, be for real. Like, that's not for that's not for everybody to see. You leaving nothing to imagination. And like, would you? And then a lot of women who profess that are just like, would you want your man like going around showing a stuff to everybody? Like, <laughs> would you be cool with that? Like, right. That's a no for me. Right. You know, I agree, especially as a married woman. I understand the, um, <laughs> you know, wanting to be um, sexually free to a certain extent and loving your body and being able to be one with yourself sometimes. But I do think there is a line. And sometimes what we see, especially with celebrities, they show everything. And so, um, you know, we're in a world where we're... Things are way less modest than what they used to be back then. And I'm not saying you have to walk around in a, in a house dress and cover up yourself fully. But I agree. I think that some things need to be left to the imagination. And especially if your spouse or partner is, is telling you they don't like that you're showing everything to everybody, you have to take into account what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're controlling you. It just means that... You just want to respect and be respectful to what their wishes are and be respectful. Respect. That's the word. Being respectful to what they're asking of you because vice versa. I don't want my, my husband walking around showing his stuff. And so if he's asking me like, listen, cover this up, make, pull this down, especially for me, I, I'm a person in the community, right? I, I'm, I'm running a business. I don't want my image to be viewed mm. as something different. So also be careful what image you want to put out to the yeah. world. What do you want people to see you and know you as? Especially if you're in trying to do stuff in the community or you're trying to do things to change lives or help people. Image matters sometimes. So I'm not trying to tell you what to wear, sis. But... Just be aware that sometimes everything is not for show. Something should be left for behind the scenes for your partner, for your man um, to see behind the scenes. And so I know that in this world, everybody shows everything on social media and celebrities show everything. And if their husband or spouse is okay with that, that's their marriage. But just because you see it doesn't mean that you need to do it. Mm-hmm. Your partner needs to be okay with mm-hmm. what you're doing and you're making sure that you need to be respectful. Right. And also, are we thirst trapping and under the premise of marriages? Like, why are we thirst trapping if we're married? Like, <laughs> why are we doing that? <laughs> um, like, I don't need to see your pubical hair if like pubic. like you you, you your <laughs> pubic hair and you like put in the the jeans just below like ab- above the imagination like why are we doing that right but um <laughs> right that's a no for me for my future man but uh <laughs> like Risa said to each his own but I understand a man definitely not wanting to see like his woman show everything so right that's just, me just respect that ain't for me so <laughs> <laughs> Right, so woo, we have had a full-packed episode. <laughs> I mean, we actually have talked a lot, and so, but good things we talked about. And so, um, hopefully, you gained something from what we talked about today. You learned something. Um, you grew in so in a way, or you have some resource to share with other people. And um, yeah, this is the end of our episode. And so, Erica, you want to take us out? Yes, I also want to say please follow us on our social media platform. Yes. We're on IG as Queen Club Podcast, Facebook, the same. 
uh, if it's not exactly those words, it's the same variation, just maybe a the is there and, or it's not. But uh, right. <laughs> Queen's Cup Podcast, please follow us and submit questions. We yes, love yes. hearing from you submit guys. Submit your questions, guys. We want to answer your questions on our next episode. So submit some questions, guys. Yes. So to take us on out, <laughs> remember to fill your cup because you cannot <laughs> pour from an empty one. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.